we started a couple weeks ago on the word press. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ. All right? Philippians chapter 3. Excuse me, did I say 2 or 3? Try 3. That's better. And then we're going to go to Hebrews chapter number 12. And we're going to take the, the bulk of the message from Hebrews chapter number 12. Uh, I will have to be honest with you. I'm probably going to be teaching more to me tonight than anybody else. You just happen to be here. Uh, how, many of you, how many of you have uh, had times in your life where you just wanted to throw in the towel? All right, I may not be just preaching to me then. <clears throat> times you just, you just feel like quitting. Just feel like quitting. Just, just giving it up. Just throwing in the towel. Uh, it's kind of what we're going to deal with tonight. The last word we, we, we said, and I know you're thinking, well, what's that got to do with the will of God? Uh, last week, we, we, we started, or actually we, that was part two of the, the, the lesson, where we talked about the pressing that Paul is speaking about here in Philippians. He says, I press toward the mark. What is included in the pressing? What is included in the pressing? Well, last week we learned there has to be a finding. If y'all remember, if you have your, your, your outlines from last week, there has to be a finding. We have to find God's will for our life because you can't press toward something if you don't know what that something is. If that makes sense, say amen. How many of y'all remember the two chairs on each side of the platform? We press toward, we find God's will, we find God's purpose for our life, we find our destiny, and, and we go that direction. So there's got to be a finding. Then, last week, we talked about this. There's got to be a focus. Say that word with me. There's got to be a... Say it again. A focus. We have to narrow things down. He said, this one thing I do, there has to be focus. We can't try to accomplish a hundred things, or we're not going to do any of them any good at all whatsoever. We have to focus. There's some things we have to take out of our life. There's some things we have to do, adjustments in our life to be able to stay focused on the destiny God has for us, on the purpose God has for us, on God's perfect will for us. Now, tonight, I want to use the word, for alliteration's sake, I want to use the word fortitude. Fortitude. Somebody say that with me. Fortitude. Fortitude. Uh, we, we, use words, we use words like this. Uh, guts. Intestinal fortitude. That's just enough. Man, that, he's got some guts. Or, or the word grit. Grit, you know, boy, show some grit. Uh, but really, fortitude is not, the word fortitude itself is not found in the Bible, but the word patience is. And the word patience is translated endurance. Say that with me, endurance. Same thing, same thing. And that's what, that's what I want to talk about. How many, of you know, how many of you know that when it comes to walking the spiritual walk and living the Christian life, it's going to take some grit. It's going to take some endurance. It's going to take some fortitude. Just old-fashioned stick them. Because you're not always going to want to do it. It's not always going to be enjoyable. It's not always going to be easy. Matter of fact, rarely is it going to be easy. Listen, Paul said this. If you're going to live the Christian life, all that live godly, all that live godly shall suffer persecution. We are in a fight. Are y'all with me? And I think this is something that's missing with a lot of Christians today. Because I think there's a misconception of what the Christian life is. 
Sometimes we come to church and, and we, we get saved and we hear people talk about salvation and we hear about the grace of God and the provisions of God and the blessings of God and we have this image in our mind that everything's going to be peaches and cream and everything's going to be rosy and, hey, we just got, we've got the yellow brick road all the way to heaven and, and then we find out it's, it's anything but that. Amen? And, and we need some fortitude. We just need some just good old intestinal fortitude let's let's read in philippians chapter number three and verse number 14 are you there say amen i press i press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of god in christ jesus now flip over flip over to hebrews chapter number 12 i'm going to share with you some things that that god showed me today that i i, I don't know that i've ever seen before in the way we're going to apply this and I hope I can get it out. I really do. I hope I can explain it to you the way God showed me. So he, here we are in Hebrews 12 in verse number 1. Are you there? If you go back a chapter, you'll find it is the, the Faith Hall of Fame. The Faith Hall of Fame where he goes and talks all about faith. And he talks about all the heroes of the faith and those that lived by faith and operated by faith and did great exploits by faith. And, and then it leads us right up into chapter number 12. He said, wherefore? Wherefore? In other words, because of everything I just showed you in chapter number 11, I want you to get this. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every and the which does so easily beset us. And let us run with patience. Now that word patience there is translated endurance. It's the word we're looking for. It's the word fortitude. It's, it's the word stickum. It's the word grit. It's the word guts. Are y'all with me? Endurance. Hanging in there. Toughing it out. He said run the race with patience. The race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him. You know the word looking there is basically the same as consider. In other words, think really hard about him. Look toward him. Focus on him. Consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your in your mind. You know, it's, it's, it's one thing to get weary in your body. It's one thing to get physically exhausted and physically tired. You know, you, could, you, can, be, you can be physically exhausted, but mentally refreshed. There's times when... I've done something to accomplish something or worked real hard to accomplish something. Maybe it was even, maybe it was even in a ball game. I, I, I remember different times when I was just totally physically spent by what we exerted in that ball game. But at the end, we were the winners and we were so, so mentally exhilarated and mentally had joy and, 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 and enthusiasm. And our body was just physically wore out. And it was, man, it was a great thing. And it's one thing to be physically tired. But boy, when you get mentally weak, and you get mentally exhausted, and you get mentally weary, well, that's a recipe for disaster. 
Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for your blessing. Thank you for your touch and your help. Help us tonight. We come to get something. Lord, we're not here, we're not here to, to just to spend our time. We're not here just to have some spiritual uh, activity. God, we're not here just to, to dump our kids off and, and waste our time in here. Just, you know, we're here to get something. We're here to get something that's going to help us have some fortitude and help us fight the fight, help us face the devil, help us be victorious in our Christian walk. And help me, Lord, help my mind. Help my, my thoughts to, to be able to say what you want me to say. Give me the ability to be an encouragement to all those that are here. God, I'll praise you and thank you for all that you've done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 You may be seated. <clears throat> press. I press. <clears throat> the word press literally means to urge or strain in motion, to urge forward with force. In other words, what Paul is saying, I know, I know, my, I know God's will for my life. I, I, I know what my destiny is. I know, I know those things. He says, he says that, that we, are, we are forgetting those things which are behind. You know, we, 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 this is about third week we've, we've talked about this, but here, here we, find, we find our past and our purpose. Say that with me, our All right, so here we are. We're, we're trying to leave our past we're trying to forget about our past. We don't want our past to have control over us or to have influence over us. So we're pressing. We're going toward our purpose. We're going toward Christ and going toward our destiny. And in and, 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 and doing that, we've got to understand something. That this is not, this right here between there and there is not a cakewalk. Between there and there is not a super highway. It's not flat ground. Are y'all with me? Sometimes there's valleys. Sometimes there's mountains. Sometimes we'll weep. Sometimes we'll rejoice. Sometimes we'll be on a high. Sometimes we'll be in a low. But listen, it is a place of pressing. Pressing. You've got to make an effort. You've got to push. You've got to apply force. What Paul is saying, I'm straining I'm reaching for it. It's kind of like a racer when he's running and he's running and he's reaching forth in that race to win. Pressing. Now, in that, keeping that in our mind, let's, let's look at the definition I gave you in your notes of fortitude. It says the strength or firmness of mind or soul which enables a person to encounter danger with coolness and courage. Or to bear pain or adversity without murmuring, depression, or despondency. Now, how many of y'all in the house can use some of that? Now, think about this. Think about this. Courage is not fortitude. Courage is a byproduct of fortitude. Courage is something you exhibit because you have fortitude. Are y'all with me? You have that grit. You have that endurance. You have that patience and and as I was looking through this, the word mind kept standing out. He said, lest you be weary and faint in your minds. And I, I, I went back uh, to different verses in the Bible that talk about your mind. 
In Romans chapter 12, he said, You know, I, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your... Peter said it this way. He said, Gird up the loins of your mind and be sober. Now, what do you mean, gird up the loins? Now, y'all know in that day, in that day, they had flowing garments. I mean, they didn't have britches like we wear. They had flowing garments, and what they would do is they would pull them up, they would take them up, and they would tie them up around their waist if they were to run or if they were in battle or if they were working so that it would, it would not uh, cause them to stumble or their, their legs would be free, and they would secure them around their waist. And what Peter is saying here is you need to secure your mind. Satan is after your mind. Satan is going to attack your mind. Satan is going to attack your thought process. Listen, he can get you physically tired, but you can still be mentally alert. But if he ever gets you mentally weary, you're done. You're done. Because when you get mentally weary, you want to quit. And you can't go on. Because your mind controls everything else. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Lest you be weary and faint in your mind. We need some guts. We need some fortitude. Now, now we can stand up here and I can give you a lecture on how that's what you need. And, and, but that's not what I need. What I need is know how to get some of that. How many of y'all are like me? Well, if you, keep, if you just focus and, and study the chapter... He tells us. He tells us. Now, let's go back. Let's go back. I want to read you some, some stuff about, about Paul. You know, if there was anybody, if there was anybody that had a reason to be tired and a reason to be mentally whooped and, and, and mentally tired, let's, let's look at Paul's experience. Look at your notes there. In 2 Corinthians eleven twenty three. 23, he's kind of he's describing his life and what he's been through. He said, are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more in labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths off. Now watch as he describes what he's been through. Of the Jews, five times received I 40 stripes, save one. In other words, five times he was whipped on his back with 39 stripes by a whip. That's 195 licks across the back with a whip. Y'all with me? Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Some scholars believe at this point was when he went to heaven and saw the third heaven and God allowed him to come back. He was stoned and left for dead. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day have I been in the deep. In journeyings often in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils by my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, Be beside those things which are without. In other words, all of this stuff that's affecting me on the outside, that it's attacking me on the outside, that I'm having to go through in my, in my physical walk. He said then, he said, then I had to have the care of all the churches. That's on the inside. Now, 
That part you may not ever understand or you may not ever have the ability to understand that when you have, you have the care of every single person and every, every church that he has started and, and been a part of and their worries are your worries, their problems are your, your problems and, and it gets overwhelming. And what Paul is saying, I'm going through it. I'm going through it. But watch what he encourages. We see his experience. We see he has a reason to be wore out, and he has a reason to be exhausted and, and, and mentally wore out. But watch what he says in 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight. This is his encouragement. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Ephesians six ten. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Galatians 6, 9, let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season ye shall reap if you faint not. So here we have a guy who's gone through hell and back, but he is encouraging everybody to be strong, to exhibit faith, to, be, to show some fortitude, to endure. You can make it. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Now watch. Now watch. Let's go back to Hebrews 12. <clears throat> How are we going to do this? How are we going to do this? We've we got to remember some things. When you're, when, you're, when you're in that valley, when you're in that place, I'm talking about that place, and I'm not talking about having a bad day, guys. Y'all get this? I'm not talking about when your ice cream melts before you get home. Does everybody understand this? I'm not talking about, you know, you had to park a long way from, from Walmart front entrance or whatever and, and that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when, when you're really in it. I mean, when you're really feeling it, when you're really wanting to throw in the towel, when you're really wanting to quit, when you're really wanting to give up on everything, and you just get weary in your minds, then this is what he says. There's some things you need to remember. There's some things you need to focus on. There's some things you don't ever need to forget. And this is what I want to give you, just three or four here tonight. So let's look at the first one. Number one... <clears throat> In order to keep us, in order to, and, and by the way, the way it's worded is you need to do this stuff we're talking about first so we don't ever get there. Now, when you, once you get there, it's harder to get back up. So we need to do some preventive maintenance. Now, this will help us get out of it, but it would be even better if we never got into it. He said, lest ye be weary and faint in your mind. So you don't ever get to that point. Does that make sense, amen? Now, what do we need to remember? Number one, we need to remember our fight. We need to remember our fight. And I know what you're thinking. What's that got? Where's that in the chapter? Well, the word that's in the chapter is the word race. Is the word race. But I want to use the word fight. Because really, it's applying to the same thing. Uh, Paul, when it come time, when it come time for him to cross over, he, he's sitting in a, he's sitting, uh, uh, in, a, in a, a Roman prison, he's waiting to be executed. He writes this letter to Timothy, <clears throat> and he says in, first, in 2 Timothy 4, 6, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. Now watch what he says. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. There's two things you see here. I fought a good fight, and I finished my course. One is a battle, and the other is a race. Paul is always using illustrations, vivid illustrations, to, to kind of teach and to kind of show what we have in our life. 
In other words, the, the place from our past to our purpose and what God has for us is the life that we live. It is our Christian walk. And he is saying it is a fight. It is a fight. But it's also a race. It said, let us run our race with patience. We have a course to run. We have a fight to fight. So, so both of them are the same. You can interchange them there. We've got to understand that we are in a fight. He uses terminology all the time to teach Timothy. And he tells Timothy, he says, endure hardness as a good soldier. He says, war, a good warfare. Many times in the Bible, he says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. He said, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the, in the evil day. He says, having done all to stand, stand. What are you saying? We're in a fight. Peter said it this way, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. An adversary is an enemy. We have an enemy. We have a fight. We are in a battle. We are at war. This is not a playground. We are not in preschool. We are in a fight. Satan is after you. He doesn't want you to finish he doesn't want you to fulfill the will of God for your life. He doesn't want you to accomplish the purpose that God has for you. And he's going to do everything he can to keep you in your past and to keep you away from your purpose. He's going to do everything he can to stop you from doing what God would have you to do. I need a witness. We're in a fight. Now, here's the thing. We forget that. We forget that we're in a battle. We forget that we have an adversary. Now, now what's the point of remembering this? What's the point of remembering this? So that we can anticipate obstacles. And we can anticipate that there is going to be resistance. That's what I want you to remember. We can expect resistance. Say it with me. We need to expect. Don't think that you're going to start your journey out with God and everything's going to be wonderful and the devil's going to be just tickled to death about it and all the demons of hell are going to pave the way to your future and to your permanent purpose and think everything's going to be great. You have stepped into a battle. It is heaven or hell. It is good versus evil. It is God versus the devil. And I'm here to tell you, thank God we're on the winning side, but the war is not over. We are still in a fight. Somebody needs to stand up, and we need to fight. We need to fight. We need to fight. We need to fight against the devil. We need to fight against society. We need to fight against our own self. We are in a fight. We're in a fight. This is a battle. We're at war. We're at war. You know, we get, we get weary with war. We get weary with fighting. But listen, we can't stop. We can't stop when it comes to our marriages. We can't stop when it comes to our ministries. We can't stop when it comes to these things. Let me tell you what's going to happen. <clears throat> There's way too many Christians in their marriages, in their own spiritual life, their own spiritual life, they did exactly what I did when I had strep throat. They come to God when they got a problem. They come to God because they are sick. They come to God because they are in pain. They come to God because they're hurting, and God gives them a supernatural spiritual shot. And then gives them medicine maintenance and you know what happens 
we get to feeling... Don't ask me how I know that. <laughs> we come and get counseling. Now things are better. And now we don't think we don't have to do the maintenance anymore. Now we don't think we have to be faithful to church. Now we don't think we have to keep reading our Bible. Now we don't think we have to keep obeying the principles that's found in the Bible that helps us have a good marriage or a good ministry or a good Christian walk or to keep us off of meth or keep us off of alcohol. And we've forgotten it's a fight. And so now guess what? We get sick again. And the second shot is worse than the first. Let me change that terminology. Here's the, here's the Christian life, guys. Here's the Christian life. How many of y'all have ever been at a river, a real, a, a real swift river or creek, whatever? There was, a, there was a river in South Carolina where, where I lived. It was called the Saukahatchee River. And it was a cold water river. It was a swift river. I mean, it, it, was, it wasn't all that wide. It wasn't like a real huge, wide, wide one. But it was, it, was, it was swift and it was moving all the time. I mean, along the branches, Chris, I mean, the, those branches were just, just like that all the time because they just, just swift. And here's what happens. You can jump in that river. If you jump in right here and do nothing, what's the current going to do? All right, here's, here's the thing about the Christian life. The moment you get saved, you turn. You go against the current. And as long as you're swimming, you make progress. Now, here's the bad part. Here's the bad part that we all forget as Christians. I have, we all do, and sometimes I still do. I wish I wasn't that ignorant, but I still do. There's no timeouts. There's no timeouts. There's no time when you can quit swimming. There's no time when you can quit fighting. There's no time. Now watch. There's no time when you're allowed to stop making an effort to make your marriage better or your ministry better or your Christian walk better. Because as soon as you stop, you say, but I'm not going out drinking. Yeah, but you're not swimming. Let's, let's, let's do it this way. This is amazing. This is our? I press toward the? That's our purpose, right? So this is our? And that is our? Now watch this. This is us. Then we think we got it and we? Then all of a sudden, we come to the preacher's office because we find ourselves back here again. Because we've forgotten we're in a fight. And here's the thing that, here's the thing that I, I, I think 
really gets us is we forget who the number one enemy is. I know what you're thinking. It's the devil! No, it ain't. It's society. They're wicked. Now they are. Who's the worst enemy? I shave it every morning. Or every third day anyway. Amen. I'm my worst enemy. And when I get when I get to that comfortable place where I don't think I have to pray. I don't think watch this. Watch this. I don't think I have to be sober. I don't think I have to be and I don't mean I don't mean I don't mean drunk. When he's using the word sober there, it means alert. You watch, a, you watch a, a deer or an antelope or anything on like National Geographic videos and, 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 and they're going out there, they may be feeding, but the whole time their ears are twitching, their nose is twitching, they're trying to smell, and they're watching. You know why? Because their adversary, the lion. And what Peter is saying here, be careful. Be careful, your adversary, your enemy. He's, he's as a roaring lion who roams about seeking whom he may devour. Now, why would Peter say that? Because Peter was one of the inner three. He was one of Jesus' three amigos. The inner circle, the closest ones to Jesus, Peter, James, and John. Peter, James, and John went with him when, when, the, when the, 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 the maiden was, was uh, dead and he brought her back to life. Only them three. Only them three was up there on the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus and saw him, him, him being transfigured and the deity and the glory on the inside was radiating on the outside. It was the inner three that went in the Garden of Gethsemane and he, he left his disciples and took Peter, James, and John a little further because they was the closest to him. Peter was in the circle. He, he, he walked on water. I mean, he exhibited more faith than any of the disciples. But he got comfortable. And because he got comfortable, he got arrogant. And Jesus tried to warn him. Jesus tried to warn him. And he said, let's translate it. He said, son, you're not, you're not swimming. Because he said, all the shepherds are going to be smitten and the sheep are going to be scattered. And Peter said, uh-uh. Not me. You me tell you, when you're going to fall, when you don't think you're going to fall. Pride goes before fall. Listen, Peter got arrogant. He said, that couldn't be me. I'm in the inner circle. He said, son, you, you, your spirit's willing, but your flesh is weak. And y'all know what happened. He said, Satan has desired to have thee. He may sift you as wheat. But I prayed for you. Now, thank God we can get up after a fall. But there's no reason to have the devil's teeth marks in our behinds. Why do you think Peter wrote that? Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, has a right. Because he has experience. He knows what it feels like to be sifted by the devil. 
He knows what it feels like to be attacked by the devil. He knows what it feels like to get arrogant, lifted up in pride, and to think you can't fall. That's why he said be sober. And I, and I think, I, I really think you can apply this. Being sober is being aware of your condition. Being aware of the fact that you're human and you could fall at any time. And you're prone to mistake. You're prone to failure. You can't ever take a break. You can't ever go on vacation. You got to keep on praying. You got to keep on going to church. You got to keep on getting with God and, and getting the power you need. Because we are in a fight. Can't take a break. And when I say take a break, y'all know what I'm talking about. Do I have to explain that? I'm not talking about, you know, not going on vacation. Everybody needs a vacation for the physical. I'm saying you can't never go on a spiritual break. Does everybody understand that? He says, we got to race. we got to fight. Now watch. Put, write this down. Number two. <clears throat> we need to remember our race. But then we need to remember our examples. This is really good. This is really good. <clears throat> we need to remember our examples. It says, wherefore, this is verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. So great a cloud of witnesses. Now, I, I, I've, heard, I've heard preachers preach this, and, it, and it's wrong. They, they're saying, now here's what the Christian life is. All of these people that's listed in chapter number 11, Abraham, Jacob, Isaac, Sarah, Abel, uh, Enoch, uh, uh, Jonah, not Jonah, Moses, David, Gideon, Jephthah, y'all with me? Rahab, Samuel, all these people that's listed in chapter 11. He said they're like, they're, they're spectators. It's like they're in a stadium, and they're watching us, and they're witnessing us, and they're white. We have spectators. That's not what that means. That's not what that means. Now, the verse 1 of chapter 12 is in reference to chapter 11. All of those people in chapter 11. But what he is saying here, he is saying this. Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, it, it is not witnesses, they are spectating or watching us. It is witnessing of the glory and the majesty and the blessings of God. They are witnesses to us that you can make it. They are witnesses to us of the blessings of walking by faith, of living by faith. They are testifying to us. Let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen, let's just use it. And all the ones in chapter 11 are saying, hey guys, you in 2016, God brought us through the fiery furnace. God brought us through the den of lions. God brought us through a giant down in a valley. God brought us through a flood. And if God brought us through a flood, God can bring you through your valley. God can bring you through your difficulty. God can bring you through your heartache. God can bring you through your disease. God can bring you through your marriage problem. They are testifying to us that God is faithful it doesn't matter where you are it doesn't matter who you are god can bring you through it god is faithful and god will get her done they are testifying hold oh, gonna use my time listen they are telling us god is faithful they are telling us faith works they are telling us it is good to live by faith 
Somebody say amen. Does this make sense? We have examples. Now watch. Let me give you a verse. Let me give you a verse. The Bible says, the Bible says in in Romans chapter 15, verse 4. Are you there? Romans 15, verse 4. It should be in your notes right there. You got it? Okay. For whatsoever things were written aforetime. That's all those Old Testament saints. That's all of chapter 11. Does that make sense? All that we read in chapter 11. Watch what it says. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning. That we through and, all right, the word patience there is endurance. It's what we've been talking about the whole time. Endurance and comfort. The word comfort there is encouragement. In other words, God gave us the Old Testament to encourage us to have some guts. To encourage us to show some endurance. To encourage us to have some stickum and to have some grit. He, he put the Old Testament there. He put a little lad out there to fight a big old giant so you could know that whatever giant is in your life, you have victory over him. No matter what you are facing in your life, because of what we read in the Old Testament, we know he can do in the New Testament. They have been written for our encouragement. They have been written so we could build our faith and strengthen our faith. Somebody ought to shout right there. Now watch. <clears throat> There's something I've seen. And I don't know where I need to put this. Let me just say it. I don't even know if I put this in your notes. But he says right after this. Now, now remember, now remember, Hebrews is the faith, say it with me, is the faith. hall of fame. Okay? It's the faith hall of fame. In other words, it is a list of people that exhibited great faith. Right? How many of y'all know it took a lot of faith to go into a, a fiery furnace? How many of y'all know it took a lot of faith to go in a den of lions and keep praying anyway? How many of y'all know it took a lot of faith to go down in a valley with a big old giant that's way bigger than you and got more weapons than you and has got more experience than you? Right? Faith Hall of Fame. Faith Hall of Fame. Watch this. Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Right? Let's, let, let, me, let me read. I don't want to mess it up. <clears throat> if I quote it wrong, I want to quote it wrong. Let us lay aside every and the which does so easily beset us. Let us run with patience or endurance. Let's endure through this thing, the race that is set before us. Now, let's back up. Now, we can apply that, and, 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 and it work, about the weight and the sin. You know, last week we talked about the things that hinder us. We, we talked about... We talk about, you know, uh, activities in our life. We talk about people in our life that, that, that are not conducive to us living a good, godly life. Are y'all with me? As the weight, and then, and then the sin, you know, any sin, you can list whatever sin you want there because sin's going to derail you. Sin will keep you out of the presence of God. You know, sin, sin will break fellowship with you and God. So you can apply that. But watch this. I've never seen this before, ever, ever. Everything in chapter number 11 is about, come on people, faith, faith, Faith. all right, (laughs) the trying of your, well, what, it worketh patience, in other words, where's that grit going to come from, faith, 
Now, now watch, now watch. This is great. It says, let us lay aside the, the, wait, now watch. You remember when Jesus was still on this earth? And he was, he was looking at the people that was burdened down with all of the legalism and the religion of the Pharisees. And you remember what he told them? Watch what he said. He said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. He said, my yoke is easy and my burden is So it's dealing with weight. He's saying this religion that the Pharisees have got you weighted down with, this list of rules and regulations and all of the things that they are burdening. Matter of fact, they're giving you more rules than they will even live up to. They were carrying around a heavy... Now think about this. This is Hebrews. He's speaking to the Jewish people. And he was speaking to people who were in danger of going back. They were in danger of walking away from Jesus and going back to Judaism because things were hard and things were difficult and things were getting to be a burdensome and they were getting weary. Now watch. Now let's put it into context. He said, lay aside that weight. Lay aside that religion. Lay aside that Judaism. Lay aside those legalistic rules. Lay aside that and the sin. Now watch this. What sin? Now it doesn't specifically say the sin. But what possible sin could they be experiencing or or they be showing here in this particular thing? If you put it in context with chapter 11 and put chapter 11 and chapter 12 together, it's the sin of unbelief. You see, they were struggling because they used to be they used to be good Jews. They used to be in Judaism. But when Jesus came, they started their race. They started their journey. They started out in believing in Christ and leaving things behind. But things got hard and things got tough and they got wearied in their mind and they got frustrated. And sometimes going back seems to be easier than going forward. And they begin to experience unbelief. What is the opposite of faith? unbelief when we don't exhibit faith what are we doing we're expressing unbelief faith is belief faith is assurance now watch what it says watch what it says he says let us lay aside the sin that does so easily beset us and let us run the race with patience with endurance the race that is set before us looking unto jesus the author and the finisher of our what? Faith. Do you see how all this is tying together? What is he saying? If we're going to endure, we got to have some faith. we got to look to Jesus. we got to look to the examples. Look at their... Think about it, guys. Put it all together. Looking unto Jesus. we got to remember our fight or our race, whichever word you want to use. We've got to remember the examples that that are set before us in the Old Testament, set before us and showing, look what God did for them. Look what they did for God. You can do the same thing. Then, number three, write this down. we got to remember our Savior. 
This is where I think you're going to get some help. This is where I think you're going to get some help. Let's look at this. What do we need to remember? Watch what it says. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. How many of y'all think the cross would be tough? How many of y'all know the cross is worse than anything we'll ever go through? Right? How many of y'all know Jesus was a man when he did it? Watch this. Write this down. What do we need to remember? A, the life he lived. The life he lived. Watch this. This is, this is really good. When our Lord was here on earth, now you've got to get this, underline this. He lived by faith. He did not exercise his deity powers outside of the will of God. In other words, in other words, he never did one thing outside the Father's will for his life. He lived his life here on this earth by faith, just like me and you have to. He lived his life here on this earth as a human being. He had to eat, he had to sleep, he had to go to the bathroom, he had to do everything humans do. He was human. It's the incarnation. And the, listen, and the Bible says, what does it say? And the Word became flesh and dwelled among us. Now, y'all with me? He lived his life by faith. And see, that's what the first temptation was all about. You remember when he had been fasting 40 days? If you've been fasting 40 days, you are hungry. You're hungry. Now watch. The devil tried to get him to use his powers outside of the direction of his father. He said, and, and when he said this, If thou be the Son of God, turn these stones into bread. The devil wasn't asking him if he was. The devil knew who Jesus was. Y'all with me? He was, this is how he, he you, could, you could read this. Man, since you're God's son, ain't no reason for you to be starving. Man, you've got power. Use it. Turn that stone into bread. Ain't no sense of being hungry. What was he trying to do? He was trying to get him to use his power outside of the Father's will. But how did Jesus live? He lived every single day by faith. He got up every single day and prayed to his Father. His, his prayer life revealed to him and to us his faith. Now, does this make sense before we go any further? Does everybody get that? He lived his life by faith. Every day of his life, he lived it just like you and I have to. We live by faith. Nothing's guaranteed in life. Your retirement's not guaranteed. Your job's not guaranteed. Well, I tell you what, I got a big retirement. I got a big bank account. You may die tomorrow of a heart attack. There is nothing guaranteed in life. We live every single moment of our life with, by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now watch. He lived by faith. The mystery of his divine and human nature is too profound for us to understand fully. But we do know that he had to trust his Father in heaven as he lived day by day. The writer of Hebrews quoted our Lord saying, I will put my trust in him. The fact that Jesus prayed is evidence that he lived by faith. If he didn't have to live by faith, why did he even pray? What would there to be even to pray about? Y'all with me? Now, we need to remember the life he lived. Then, then B, we need to remember the suffering he endured. 
When you think you're having a bad day, get a good glimpse of the cross. When you think your valley is too deep, verse 2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. Despising the shame. They hung him naked between heaven and earth. They spit upon him till the spit dripped off his face. They mocked him and ridiculed him. They beat him till you could not even tell he was a human being. Drove a crown of thorns into a skull. Mocked him beyond. And he said he despised it. He despised it. He didn't, he didn't like it. He despised it. The sin that he had to take upon himself, our sin, every man's sin, every, every addict's sin, every murderer's sin, every abuser's sin, every pedophile's sin, he had to take upon himself. And the Bible says it was such a contradiction of who he was. He endured it. Now watch. Our Lord endured far more than did any of the heroes of faith in Hebrews 11. And therefore, he is a perfect example for us to follow. He endured the cross. This involves shame, suffering, a contradiction of sinners, even temporary rejection by the Father. On the cross, he suffered for all the sins of the world, yet he endured and finished the work the Father gave him to do. Though the readers of Hebrews had suffered persecution, they had not ever resisted unto blood. See, they hadn't, they wasn't, they hadn't become martyrs. They were having it rough. They were going through persecution, but none of them had died for it. None of them was yet a martyr, but in Jesus' battle against sin, he shed his own blood. So when we're going through it, remember the life he lived. Remember the suffering he endured. Now watch this. This is really, really good. I want you to remember the motivation that sustained him. What helped him endure that cross? What was it that sustained him through that difficulty? The Bible says, <clears throat> For the joy that was set before him. Now, if it's set before him, he is what? He is looking to that. He has this in mind. As he's enduring the cross, he is looking to something that causes him joy in front of him. Basically, the same thing he's telling us to do, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, consider Jesus who, y'all with me? For the joy set before him. What was it that enabled our Lord to endure the cross? Please keep in mind that during his ministry on earth, our Lord did not use his divine powers for his own personal needs. Satan tempted him to do this, but Jesus refused. It was our Lord's... It was our Lord's... Come on, everybody. It was our Lord's... Faith that enabled him to endure. He kept the eye of faith on the joy that was set before him. Now turn with me to Psalm 16. Psalm 16, over in, over in the Old Testament. Let's go get some encouragement. Psalm 16. Now this is a prophetic writing concerning Jesus from the psalmist. Verse 8. 
Psalm 16, verse 8. Are you there? Say amen. Now, now let's look at it this way. This is a prophetic utterance of what Jesus is saying in the New Testament. So, let's look at it this way. Jesus is speaking about his Father right here. This is Jesus talking. If that makes sense, say amen. I have set the Lord. Now, the Lord there would be his Father, God the Father. Does everybody understand that? Jesus is saying, I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also shall rest in... Now, he's talking about in his humanity. In his humanity. For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy... And by the way, Peter quoted this in in Acts chapter number 2, by the way. For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Jesus is speaking about the Father. The Father was not going to leave his son in hell. He was not going to stay dead. He was going to live again. Say amen. Watch what he says. Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand, fullness of what? What was set before him? Joy. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Now let's go back to Hebrews chapter number 12. For the joy that was set before him. Listen, he kept his eye on the joy set before him. He knew that he would would come out of the tomb alive. And in Psalm 16, David speaks about the fullness of joy in the presence of the Father. Also, from Psalms 110, Jesus knew that he would be exalted to heaven in glory. So the joy that was set before him would include Jesus' completing the Father's will, his resurrection and exaltation, his joy in presenting believers to the Father in Jude, uh, verse number 24. And, and I see, this is all before Jesus. This is all Jesus is looking toward. Now watch. Throughout this whole epistle of Hebrews, the writer emphasized the importance of the future hope. His readers were prone to look back and want to go back, but he encouraged them to follow Christ's example and look and look by faith. Heroes of faith named in the previous chapters live for the future, and this enabled them to endure. Let me tell you what happens when we get discouraged, when we get weary and tired, when we get down in that valley. We have a, we have a temptation to look like this. And then when we're looking around us, we have a temptation to look like this. And we think that going back to where we were is easier than where we're at and easier than where we're going. If you don't believe me, ask Peter. When Peter got rough, when it got difficult, when it got hard, he said, I go a fishing. You know what he's saying? I'm going back to what I know. I'm going back to the way I was. I'm going back to the way that's easy for me. Because when you get to looking around at where you're at, it seems to be difficult. It seems to be hard. And you get weary and tired. And it makes you want to look back. But the Bible says the joy that was set before him. We can't look around and we can't look back. we got to keep our eyes on Jesus. we got to keep our eyes on the future. we got to keep our eyes on our purpose and go toward Jesus. And if you do that he will strengthen you how did he endure the cross because he was looking forward he was looking for the day when he would come up out of that ground he was looking for the day when he would be back in the presence of his father in fullness of joy he was looking for the day that according to jude when he would take all of us home and be presented to the father somebody ought to shout right there 
Quit looking around at your circumstances. Quit looking around at your problems. Quit looking around at your issues. We're looking at the wrong thing. We're looking at the wave that's crashing on us when we should be keeping our eyes on Jesus, keeping our eyes on His example, keeping our eyes on what's ahead of us. Don't look back. Look forward and look ahead. Lastly, I've got three minutes to give you this. We need to remember, number one, our... Come on, people. We need to remember our fight. Number two, we need to remember our... And number three, we need to remember our... Number four, we need to remember our reward. Our reward. Our reward. We're not doing this for nothing, thank God. I wish I was spiritual enough to tell you I'm just doing this because I love Jesus. But there's more to it. So what are you talking about? <clears throat> Look what it says. In 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable. What's he saying? Show some grit. Have some guts. Show a little fortitude. Endure. Why? For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Galatians 6, 9. Be not weary in well-doing, for in, for in, we shall reap if we faint not. Let me tell you what our problem is. We're wanting to pick, we're wanting to pick tomatoes at the end of May. And unless you got a greenhouse, y'all with me? Now, some of you people that don't garden, you're clueless right now what I just said. The first garden I ever planted. I ain't going to talk about the squad. You already know that one. Man come and plowed it up for me. I went out and planted it. Seeds, not plants, seeds. Guess where I was at the next morning, as soon as it got daylight. I happened to look in up in time to see my wife looking out the window doing this. And I read her thoughts. You big idiot. I went out every single day. First time something popped up. Timmy, look at it. I remember when tomatoes first bloomed and then and then and then the tomatoes first come out on the vine and I was so proud and then Blossom Rock got it. See, I'm, I'm going to be honest about my exploits. I, just, I didn't get one tomato off of it, rotten, every one of them. But you know what? How many times do we give up too soon? How many times? It says, we shall reap. We're going to reap. We're going to reap. There will be a tomato sandwich in our future. Say amen. But there won't be if you quit. 
won't be if you quit. It won't be if you give up. Now, right now is when I need to just get on you and say, bless God, but I can't because I didn't preach to nobody but me tonight. Because sometimes you just want to say, what's the use? And that's when God's got to come up beside you and say, hey, hang on. Hang on. Keep on. Keep on. That rain's going to come. Listen, that fruit's going to come. Keep on. Don't be weary in well-doing. Keep your eyes on, keep your eyes on what, what's already been done. You know what I think everybody needs to get out of this today? I, I don't know. I, I don't know your heart. Everybody, God knows who's here and he knows who needs to get what. But that part about this right here. You can't. I think that may be the message we all need to hear. You can't go on a spiritual vacation because he don't quit. In the current of society, in the current of Satan, in the current of our own self, our flesh, it's going to fight. Paul said, in my flesh is no good thing. No good thing. So we've got to keep fighting. We've got to keep working. We've got to keep trying. We've got to keep getting better. We've got to keep trying to draw closer to God. We've got to keep trying to make our marriages, our ministries, our own personal walk with God better. And not blame anybody else but our own self if it doesn't. Amen? Okay, guys, that's it. We're out of time. <clears throat> hey, Dustin wanted me to remind everybody. You know, it's just crazy parking issues and all that kind of stuff. But remember that the blue lines are for the handicap. Okay, that's handicap. I don't think we have a, a handicap painting thing on all the spaces, but all the blue lines are for the handicap. Does everybody understand that? Say amen. I know there's there's several of them that's parking there that's not in that situation, and it's and it's we're running out of them for the ones that really need it. So so help us with that. In just a little while, we won't have that problem. Hey, they've already got some form boards out there. I think they're gonna try to pour some Friday. Say amen. So hey, but just help us with that. All right, help us with that. Church, say amen. amen. Father, bless.